entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. I have two guests with me today, Jules Pierre and Joanne Dominicani. How did I do, Joanne? Dominicani. Dominicani. Oh, okay. That was it. From now on, you're going to be Joanne. Okay, Joanne? That's perfect. (laughs) Okay, great. Hey, Jules and Joanne uh, were with the Gromit until recently, and um, I reached out because I'd love to hear the story. Uh, I I guess what happened and what lessons we might share with our business audience. So, uh, you can start any way you want, Jules or Joanne. You can start uh, whoever wants to go first, but let's start this way. So when and why did you start the company, The Gromit? Hey, Joanne, why don't you grab that one? Because you, you're the person who did more outreach than I ever did in explaining our business to makers. Sure. So the Gromit is a discovery platform for new to market and innovative products. And the founding insight for our business um, way back eight to 12 years ago in 2008, um, we founded the business to tell the story and create product understanding for uh, new to market and innovative products. And why would we be interested in that? Jules and I were uh, friends and colleagues um, We've known each other for 20 years, I guess. Is that right, Jules? Is it 20 years? We worked together even more. Yeah, because I I peg it by when my middle son was born, and he's like 27. That's right, 27, 1993. Um, We met in 1993. We worked at KEDS, and we learned firsthand that even at big companies, um, new-to-market products and innovative products are really hard to understand, and... Um, the Gromit was formed to use digital media, online communities, and video to create connections and product understanding um, between consumers who are interested in being in the know about what's new um, in terms of consumer products and um, makers whose very primary uh, first job to um create success in their business is to connect with consumers who care about what they're doing. And so simply the Gromit was a platform where every day we would introduce a product that you probably had never seen before, tell the story of that product, uh, garner support and interest uh, from consumers far and wide. We had millions upon millions of people who showed up every day to learn about the product, learn about new and interesting products. And Ultimately, they would either buy the product, which was a great outcome for the maker, 
become an evangelist by sharing the, the news of their product with their friends or on their social channels. And that would create amplification and momentum like nobody's business. And so honestly, uh, I think our work was um, important. Um, and um, we, were, we did transform many, many, many businesses. We launched over just to, just to make that um, make it concrete, Joanne's team was expert at identifying what was next. So she discovered they discovered um, products like Fitbit and Swell Water Bottles and SodaStream, OtterBox, um, Bananagrams, companies that had no um, presence when Joanne's team discovered them and we launched them. So um, it was the maker makers community, uh, I guess, at the, at the start. How did you actually get the message out right at the very beginning? How did people hear about you? Talk, talk to me about that. How'd you get started? Well, one thing that really surprised me was um, that before we even launched, we put up a landing page. You know, it's like a one-page website that doesn't do anything except collect email addresses. And people started coming in then. And it shouldn't have surprised me because we were promising to solve their hardest problem. And when you're solving a hard problem, people find you. So makers spoke to each other, referred each other. Um, our efforts to build our consumer base reached makers too because they're also consumers. And um, even things like this podcast or, you know, speaking uh, publicly would impress, would bring in makers. So that that started more easily, I would say, than um, bringing in consumers. That's a lot harder. Hmm. So um, so it, 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 how fast did it grow? Uh, you've been at it for what you tell me, 12 years. So, so what, what kind of, what was the, in addition to what you've already shared with us and maybe we'll go back to Joanne, um, how and why did it grow over time? Was it successful products? Was it the, the digital efforts? Was it successes? Talk to me about that. Well, Marty, it was all of the above. And let me say that for the first four years, it it grew, grew slowly but steadily. And don't forget, in 2008, when we formed the business, mm. um, we were in the middle of a very deep recession. In fact, we, we launched the business on October 15, 2008, just mm. days um, before the markets crashed. Um, but we did grow slowly in the beginning and, uh, but, and steadily. Um, until we had funding, of course, even even our business was um, in dire need of, of that fuel to grow more quickly. And in 2012, we took our first investor and um, got some capital to grow. And that that's when I would say we grew exponentially. Mm. Um, Jules, would you um, agree with that? Yeah, the first four years were a pretty subsistence diet with uh, angel investor capital, and that was essential, but but not at the scale we needed. Um, and then when Rakuten, um, a company based in Tokyo, invested in us, 
from 2012 to 2017, we had uh, 50% compound and annual growth rate and uh, grew to about 60 million in, in revenue at that time. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to make sure that people understand this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but again, the makerspace, I mean, this is literally, um, in some cases, in a lot of cases, again, correct me if I'm wrong, people who are creating products basically in their in their garages, in their basements, and, you know, that kind of thing. Or they're, they're going to their meeting in small groups and they say, hey, I think I got a really cool product. I mean, that's kind of was the bulk of your customer base, was it not? Or correct me. Do you mean the supply base? Like who came the up? Base, yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, you're, well, the people who are coming to you, they're coming to the grommet. What do you, so I, I'm making a product and I think it's pretty cool and my family likes it and I'm making it, uh, whatever, I'm making uh, 20 a week. They, they discover the grommet. What did you do for me? I guess that's a different way of uh, asking the question. What could you do for me at that point? I can take that, Jules. Um, you're, you're a maker, you have a product, and uh, we think it's a fit. We think it's fantastic. We think we have an audience that's going to really embrace your product. But you're, you have insignificant capacity to, um, to um, scale. So we may work with you to say, listen, you're not quite ready for us. For, for, if you're making it in your garage, we, may, we might bring you a thousand um, orders in a, a matter of eight hours. So um, that would that would um, perhaps uh, cause us to go back and recalibrate with the maker and, and get them help get them ready for our um, engagement. What would we do for you? We would create a short video uh, right in our offices, our office studios. We would um, help people understand the product. We would create a kind of home away from home, a web page on our platform that um, had um, the ability for you to buy a product or share it or um, post it to your social media. We had um, all of the um, descriptions and photography that we knew would be necessary to create engagement and perhaps a sale. So. Um, those are the services, the marketing services that we provided. And then we had a huge email ba email audience, and we would blast out an email every day, mm -hmm. and we would reach millions of people. And what would they do if they were interested in the product? They would flood to our website, and th this maker would make a sale. I mean, in some cases, it would continue on for days, weeks, months. Mm -hmm. And then they were kind of... Um, they were launched. So how priceless is that for a maker who aspires to move their products? I mean, that's uh, uh, well, well uh, said there, Joanne. Terrific. So, so you went along there and at some point you decided, I guess, that you needed more investment. And um, I guess you were searching for an investor or an investment. I'm not sure. So, so take me to the point where you decided to take on more invest investment uh, if you want to go to the company, the big company that I think you did that in what 2000. When did you do the? Uh, when did the deal with Ace Hardware come through? Came come down. In 2017. 2017. Okay. So, uh, Jules, why don't you talk to me about at what point did you decide that the Gromit needed or wanted additional investment? It wasn't exactly um, that path, Marty. 
it was more the case that uh, Rakuten was deciding to take all of its various investments and roll them up under a single brand name, Rakuten. Mm-hmm. And that worked for a lot of the businesses. Um, they had several different investments in the U.S., but it was not going to be effective with the grommet um, because we, we're all about sort of a platform for the little guys and representing ourselves as a multinational company was going to be a misfit. So we mutually agreed that the company should spin out. It was less about taking an investment from a new company. In fact, Ace didn't invest anything uh, at that stage into the company. They bought out Rakuten shares. And the reason that we went to Ace, that it seems kind of funky to some people, but it wasn't to us because they were already a customer of ours because we had a wholesale side of our business and we had run a successful pilot in 250 of their stores to try to discover if um, our products could sell in their stores. So we knew each other already. Mm. And it made sense, made perfect sense, right? So, so you did that for a while. You do, um, you did that in 17, did that for a while. What, what did you, what did you see was different if anything uh, after a few months or after a year or two? Um, We had, we had a whole new set of demands because there was a massive opportunity with ACE's 5,000 stores. Imagine a grommet display in a number of those stores, you know, thousands of those stores and grommet products being sold to a new customer base. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of new business demands in the company to be met because of that. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty typical scenario that when there's um, a very small company that's, absorbed, um, majority absorbed by a large company that, um, a lot of demands come from, you know, say the thousand people in Oak Brook, Illinois, it's just natural that, um, a whole lot of, um, activities start around that. I'll give you an example. Ace has a twice a year trade show, a sales convention. And, um, we were front and center at that trade show with a more than 5,000 square foot booth that we funded, that we designed, that we paid for fixtures, that we brought more than a third of our team to staff and brought some some shows, a hundred different makers to also be represented at the show with their product. And that's a lot of coordination for a little company with under a hundred employees and, um, you know, no event staff. It's not like we had a trade show staff or, you know, a budget for the trade show fixtures. So, that's the kind of thing I, I mean, changed and expanded post-investment. Mm. Do you add anything to add to that? What, uh, how about culture change or anything like that within your organization? What did you, what were you seeing or experiencing? Well, I would say that we were pretty protective of the culture within our kind of little nucleus, the grommet in Somerville, Massachusetts. Um, but the, um, the demands, um, to serve the ACE business and and seize the opportunity that we really in the beginning thought perhaps, you know, we would have this powerful digital platform creating amplification and sales for these makers. And then we would have a physical presence in ACE stores. They have 5,000 stores, um, you know, one store 15 minutes away from almost every neighborhood in America. That was that was something that we really for two years, you know, ran after. Um, and as Jules mentioned, it, it, 
it, it took a lot of uh, resources and it took a lot of our focus to see how we could um, maximize the that that very specific opportunity. And um, so, from a culture standpoint, I, I don't I don't know if you disagree, Jules. I didn't feel the um, I didn't feel while we were leading the company that our culture um, we protected our culture internally, and I don't think Ace messed uh, with that. But you know, honestly, they were they were um, they were pressuring us for profitability, and um, I think that that as time went on, um, our focus on that one plus one equals three between Gromit and Ace um, prohibited us from uh, driving our, you know, core digital business forward as fast as we had been prior to the investment. Hmm. Interesting. Would you agree with that, Jules? Yeah, I think we were, um, I mean, nobody, the, the senior executives, Ace, never came to Somerville. Um, it's not like they were messing with us every day. We were we were managing the culture, and um, I think it was hard to translate to our employees what Ace wanted at times because it has a very different culture mm-hmm. and a different pace and style. So people were sort of learning to navigate that, but it didn't it didn't really um, alter our own culture. But what Joanne um, highlighted in terms of um, the distraction was real because, like I said before, up until the ACE investment, we were at a 50% CAGR for, for five, six years. And that um, that growth really stalled um, once we were trying to divert resources to pursue the ACE opportunity. And, and losses mounted too. Um, and, and ACE was very straightforward about um, expecting a break-even business, which is what we were when they invested. Right. So from a textbook standpoint, that seems to fit every uh, check mark. Like that should make sense. I mean, everything should have worked, <laughs> you know, I guess. Um, but there's different challenges, different things going on. So so as candidly or as uncandidly, however you want to answer this question, so what, what went wrong? I mean, what, what, what happened, I guess? What, what made you unhappy uh, or, or what went wrong? So answer that any way that you'd like. Why are you gone? Why are we gone? Why are you gone? I guess that's the question. <laughs> Why aren't you there? <laughs> so, go for it. Well, it wasn't our decision, so let's let's be clear we there. We're canned. We're canned, <laughs> right? Um, it was your decision, okay? Well, can we? Yeah. No, no. We, I mean, we were very committed to see this this business through. Um, but you know, I think a lot of the conflict arose around um, the Ace uh, stores and customer not responding the way we had all hoped. Yeah. And, and, you know, then the fingers start getting pointed and the blame starts happening. And, um, you know, we continue to throw massive resources at the opportunity. Um, but I think Ace soured uh, or they store soured uh, earlier than we did. And I think we didn't get the memo um, soon enough to sort of pull back on those resources. So that's a bad fit, right? That's a bad mix where you're putting uh, distraction and cost into something that's not not coming through. 
and that's that was frustrating to us, but frustrating to Ace because that 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 adds up to costs, and and they didn't sign up for losses, and then losses were were climbing under that situation. Yeah. yeah. Joanne, you wanted to add something? Uh, no, I I I think that um, in our you know our quest to improve our kind of bottom line results, not top line results. Our top line results were were uh, strong. We were we had shuttered our wholesale business and we had uh, restructured the team a couple of times, and and that was hard. I mean. It was hard and it was stressful, but we were uh, doing it. We were doing what needed to be done to focus on our core business to get back to the uh, growth and improved, proving profitability that uh, we had um, uh, tracked prior to the investment. Um, but it wasn't happening fast enough. Mm-hmm. And um, they became impatient. It, and, you know, make no doubt about it, it was very stressful. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 I was, you know, I was, um, when it happened, I was stunned and um, hurt. I'm, I'm proud of what we built and I don't have any regrets, but I, um, I was, I, it was stressful. Uh, like it, I mean, building a business from nothing over a 12 year period is hard mm-hmm. and you, you put everything you have in it and there is no vacation, mm-hmm. uh, because you have a responsibility for the livelihoods of, you know, 50, 70, a hundred people. Um, but then when you have an unhappy investor, it, that stress is um, different than, you know, carrying the business on your back, which you're used to doing. That's mm-hmm. hard. But um, with an unhappy investor, that, that brings a whole new element um, into the picture. And um, I think that in, in, my, in, my, um, in my case, and I can't speak for Jules, it, it was starting to get unhealthy. Um, yeah. So that should have been a sign. I, I, was, I was stunned when it happened. But um, I, I, I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was. Well, I think anybody would have been surprised that you had your head down, you were working hard. Um, so, Jules, back to you, I guess. Um, if someone came to you now, you've been through this experience, and there was someone who's kind of in a growth pattern like you were and what you wanted to do, what, what lessons would you share with someone that was maybe in kind of your position now, what, what lessons would you share with them? Well, I think, um, I think we made one big mistake that was thinking that the sort of sheer human power muscle that we were used to applying in the absence of financial resources, we, we deployed um, human capital brilliantly it was the superpower of the company that because we, we started our existence being so starved, we had to learn how to be smarter, faster, better with people. And, and Joe, there's no better than Joanne and I for having figured that out. And it wasn't because we wanted to, it was because we had to. But then ultimately, I was very proud of that. But that playbook could not stretch to move another company to move Ace Hardware. Like that's, that, that, that's not, that. 
that's not realistic. And if I had it to do over, I, I probably would have been much more sober about my commitments to Ace Hardware because I kind of assumed uh, they'd meet us halfway and that our company would be able to influence them more than we could. That was not realistic. And that's not their fault. They're a big business with a lot of other priorities. And, um, and that was a little naive uh, for me to assume, assume that our superpower would have legs as far as, you know, across the country into another organization. Okay. Wow. Well, before I forget, I, w I don't think I forget anyhow, regardless uh, of the work that you've done at the Gromit, which has been spectacular, I would add to it. I do want to give a shout out to Jules Pierre's book, which I love and which he knows I've promoted for a long time. And the title of the book is How We Make Stuff Now, Turn Ideas into Products that Build Successful Businesses. How We Make Stuff Now. You'll want to get this book, especially anyone in the maker community, but anyone, I mean, the, the topics are just right on point, step-by-step step, distribution, the importance of what your product looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Joanne and Jules, um, what's the plans? What, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> what should we look for? Are we going to be baking pies? Are we going to be building businesses? <laughs> what, what, what are we doing here? Come on, I'm looking forward to this. And say, if there's nothing going on, you want to rest? I certainly understand. But uh, what's what's going on? What's your future look like? Well, I should, uh, go okay. ahead. Man. I'm curious what you're going to say. <laughs> Um, I've got a lot of advice oh. and I'm not jumping into anything quickly. Okay. Right now I am restoring myself. And yes, I'm making pies. I'm perfecting my blueberry pie, Marty. You know this. <laughs> Your audience doesn't know. That. I have eight blueberry bushes out in front of my house in Maine on the lake. And I've been picking enough blueberries for a pie once a week. And I'm, I, I made one this morning. So Yes, that's what I'm. That's what I'm focused on. My mother's a very good pie maker, so I have to. I have to. Um, I have to um, exceed her. I'm also not good at sitting around, so I'm. I'm. I'm working on a lot of home improvement projects. My plans. I'm not leaving anything off the table. Um, mm -hmm. I will be doing something, though. I cannot be idle. I am not ready for retirement, um, and I think I have a lot to to offer um, small businesses. I have a lot to offer uh, consumer product companies. I have, uh, and, um, but for now I'm, I'm restoring myself. Uh, I need to get back. I need to, I need to know me again after yep. 12 years. Yeah. Uh, separate from Gromit. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great mission. <laughs> that's fantastic. So Jules, What's it's so funny, Joanne just, Joanne just said that last thing because I'm, I'm this morning I was cleaning up my um, finder on my Apple computer, all my file structure. And I have all these um, folders of topics, say 12 folders, and then I have one called personal. Uh, the other 11 are all grommet, you know, mm -hmm. legal, finance, whatever. And my, then I like cram my whole rest of my life into this one folder. 
And uh, so I, that resonated what Joanne just said to me. Um, I have not been as ambitious as she has been. I have been completely lazy uh, on purpose, finding that I'm quite good at indolence. I didn't realize I could be, but I am. Uh, quite good at just reading, uh, exercising like crazy, um, cooking too. So that's the current phase. The next phase, uh, I agree with Joanne. I have a lot of energy and a lot to give. And so no decisions, but um, the three buckets that make sense to me uh, to explore would be, there would you know, obviously be the possibility of another operating role. Um, Harvard Business School gave me kind of a standing invitation to teach a couple of years ago. So that's kind of out there for me. And then I'm very eager to join one or two corporate boards. And that's something I would do sooner rather than later. That's a decision I made more than a year ago. So um, I am having those conversations um, as they come up as well. So I'll be doing something. I think um, the one thread that I won't drop is the one that we started um, pursuing at Gromit from the beginning was kind of uh, pursuing leveling the playing field for the little guy. And, and uh, I advance that into economic inequality as um, something that needs to be addressed in so many ways in this country. And so I know that whatever I do next, whether it be board work, teaching, or an operating role, that um, things like economic inequality and systemic racism are big passions for me to address. And uh, we did it really well with the grommet. I mean, it was such a joy to help these small businesses. And we cared a lot about uh, helping underrepresented entrepreneurs of all stripes. So it's something that's deep within both me and Joanne already. We're credible and have a track record in that area that I am not aware of uh, another business having. So it would be natural for both of us, frankly, to, um, to pursue that passion in whatever we do next. What a wonderful conversation. Uh, thank you for uh, taking time to be with us because this is the Business Builder Show and these are great business lessons, great experiences. Um, do you want to leave contact information here or in the show notes or should we just let people search you out? And I'm sure they can find you because I've been searching. I've been finding both of you. But would you like yeah, to? I think we're both, at least I know I'm very findable. So I'm not worried about that. Same here. Okay, good, good. Well, Jules, Joanne, formally, well, I shouldn't say that. Founders of the Gromit, which I know has done some incredible work, and I know that there's going to be some incredible things in the future. And to both of you, both of you I would love if the Business Builder Show could work with you to share your great ideas in the future. So thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. 